The book of Luke chapter 22. This chapter is dedicated to some of the last hours in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Much of the contents of the 22nd chapter deals with his last spiritual, and if you don't mind me saying, religious service with the Twelve. He has celebrated the final official Passover with his Twelve that God will ever recognize. So much has happened in this chapter. I want to try to preach most of it. I understand time constraints. I will do my best to fill my allotted time with the anointed Word of God. I pick up and read two verses, verses 31 and 32. It's a direct conversation between Jesus and Simon Peter, but I want you to note in verse 31, he calls him Simon. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Very, very seldom do I refer to other translations of the Bible. I think most of us lean to the accuracy of the original King James. But because I'm not just here to preach a message, I'm here really on a God-sent mission. I want to read from three other translations. When Jesus said to Simon that Satan hath desired to have you, the New International Version writes it like this, Satan has asked me for you. The New American Standard Version words it like this, Satan has demanded my permission to totally possess you. And the New Living Translation words it like, Satan has requested all of you, but I have prayed for you. Would you put your Bibles down, and I'm not asking for a rafter-shaking prayer, but I'm asking everyone to participate and lift your hands and plead the blood of Jesus for the furtherance in this service. Would you pray? Praise God. Praise God. And you may be seated. I've already told you that in the mind and plan of God, 
This is the last official Passover that he will recognize. Jesus is celebrating or having the final official Passover in a borrowed house. And only 13 that we know of are in attendance. Those 13 are number one, Jesus. And the remaining 12 are his 12 hand-picked disciples. Jesus quickly becomes the master of ceremonies. Several important things happen at this Passover that's noteworthy. I may not put them in proper chronological order, but when we harmonize the synoptic gospels written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we do have a complete feel of what did happen. Number one, Jesus introduced the foot washing more than just a social event when you went to someone's house or someone came to your house. Jesus introduced foot washing as an act of servitude and as an act of submission to those whose feet you did wash. He washed them all, including Judas. But there's a pretty sharp discourse that develops when Jesus comes to the chair of Simon Peter. And Simon Peter let him know real quick, no, you're not going to wash my feet. In fact, Simon said, never. Perhaps this will be a little bit elementary at the beginning, but it bothers me when my generation of Pentecostals, when Jesus wants to do something in our services, we just say, no, you're not going to do that. How many times has he wanted to pour out a blessing on you, sir? Or you, ma'am? But pride, arrogance, and rebellion, you quenched the Holy Spirit of God. And as Simon said, never will you wash my feet. I fear that that spirit is alive and well in my generation of Pentecost. There are times that we just sit down and without saying it, we let him know, never will I let you do that to me. Jesus heard the retort from Simon and quickly advised him, all right, if I don't wash your feet, I'll have nothing to do with you. And that's one thing for you to go through a lukewarmness and a backsliding and you not have anything to do with Jesus. But it's altogether different when he makes the decision that he's not going to have anything else to do with you. After the foot washing service and the retort and resistance of Peter, Jesus introduces the revolutionary Passover. 
And he takes what he calls the fruit of the vine and the unleavened bread. And he breaks the Passover unleavened bread, blesses it, breaks it, passes it out to the twelve. And he says to them, take and eat. This is my body that was broken for you. Then he took the cup and he explained the contents of the cup was his blood of the New Testament that is shed for the remission of sins. Then a very stunning and startling announcement was made by Jesus when he said in this sacred holy moment that someone of you here with me at this communion table will betray me. Suddenly the question was asked, Who? 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 Is it I? Is it I? Jesus gave a hint and he said, It will be the one that dips into the sop with me. Now the dipping of the sop is pretty simple, but the unleavened bread wrapped part of the sacrifice Passover lamb. And scholars that taught me said that there was a mixture, a connotation of vinegar with raisins and dates that one that was participating in the Passover would dip the bread, the meat, the raisins and the date in the vinegar-based sauce. And the one that was most cherished at the annual celebration would be given the choice more so. Stunning to me that they didn't even notice that it was the man from southern Judea, Judas, that took of it. And afterwards, when he took it, Satan entered into him and he went out and it was night. When you look at this writing in Luke 22, it boils down to three main characters in this drama. Of course, Jesus. A lot of conversation and interaction with Simon. And even though Judas's name was not mentioned in conversation, he was a lead character in this developing drama. Before it was over, Jesus had his final one-on-one conversation with Simon Peter. And in front of the rest of the group, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Several things involved here. When Judas took the morsel from Jesus, it was 1627 of the year 1627 B.C. that an old Hebrew ancestor sold out his birthright for just a morsel. That old ancestor was Esau. It was big that he sold out his birthright 
But when Judas took the morsel, 1,600 and some 27 to 60 years since Esau, he sold out more than a family birthright. He sold the bright and morning star. He sold the lily of the valley. He sold the rose of Sharon. And when Judas left his last church service with Jesus, he went out and it was night. Now Judas was the main character, but there's no way that you can deny it. Simon was likewise a main character, reminding you that when Jesus was about to wash the feet, Simon said, no, never. I won't let you move like that. And when Jesus pinpointed Simon and told him that Satan desired to have him and to sift him as wheat, it sounds to me that Judas just tiny check, that Simon just tiny brushed it off when he says, Oh no, not me. I'll never betray you. I'm ready to go to prison and I'm ready to die for you. Twice in one service, Simon first of all said, I'm not gonna let you ever do that and before that same service was over Simon said I'll never do that I'm reaching in my spirit right now because in my deep soul searchings of prayer throughout the day the Lord moved in me and let me know that this will not be just another Count meeting sermon. First of all, there are some Simons in here. And preacher, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. But unfortunately, there might be a few Judases here that has already sold out and you can't be reached by this sermon or anyone's sermon at any time. Actually, the last time that Judas went to church, after he saw that he was condemned, he took the 30 pieces of silver, confessed, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed innocent blood. <laughs> And those that bought it with Judas said, None of our business see thou to that. And Judas threw down 30 pieces of silver. The proceeds from that very last offering before the death of Jesus was taken and used for what seemed to be a good public cause. And 30 pieces of silver was used to buy a pot of ground called a seldoma, which by definition means the potter's field 
or the field of blood. And afterwards, Judas hanged himself. Judas bought a cemetery that took the moniker name as a field of blood. But when Jesus Christ shed his precious blood, his death and his burial and his resurrection bought a resurrection for the saints that are now buried in the cemeteries. I've come to declare to you that I believe in the complete gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe in his death. I believe in his burial. And I believe in his resurrection. And he moved on me in deep prayer today and advised me that he will come and he will want to move in this house. And he already has. But he's moved on us collectively. But now he wants to move on some of you individually. Please don't become a Simon and say, never, not at camp meeting, never, not with these many dignitaries here, never, not in the city auditorium. Friends, it doesn't matter what the setting is. It doesn't matter who is there when the Lord gets ready. We better move. I've not come tonight to lead a pep rally in the city auditorium, but it is still apostolic to clap your hands and to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It is still apostolic to throw your hands heavenward and shout from the depth of your being, Hallelujah. But it's also the design will of the devil to make you feel fearful, intimidated, and afraid to publicly worship Jesus Christ. But tonight, he's ready to move. But he needs you to move with the Spirit. I've come to announce that the healer of all thy diseases is in the house. He was not an oncologist, but he still heals cancer. He was not a cardiologist, but he still heals coronary disease. He was not a dermatologist, but he still heals leprosy. He was not an orthopedic, but he still mends broken bones. He's not a psychologist, but he can deliver you from depression. I just touched the nerve right now. It's not the will of God that you live in fear. For he who the Son has... He who the Son hath set free is free indeed. You should not have to be asked to worship. You should not have to be encouraged to shout unto the Lord. You've been bought by His blood. 
saved by his grace it's time for you to stand and say I've got a right I've got a right Bishop Holmes I were preaching like this Jesus is here is here to heal cancers that are inoperable and cancers that are untreatable Jesus is here to heal blocked and clogged arteries Jesus is here to heal skin diseases Jesus is here to salvage your marriage and to save your children but the best way for you to see it happen is to come out of your cobwebs of fear and unbelief for God will work but who will let him I would think there's 4,000 in the city auditorium. We're going to say, Lord, do what you want to do. Lord, move the way that you want to move. Be seated, please. I have written down some names that I want to call out and I only call these names out as a name of encouragement and I wish that I could have written the name of every pastor and preacher that is here tonight but instead of Jesus saying Simon, Simon I've handpicked a few to say it like this Bart Atkins Bart Atkins from Archdale, North Carolina. Satan has desired to sift you. Wesley Jackson, Wesley Jackson from Generette, Louisiana. Satan hath desired to sift you. Ted Strain, Ted Strain from Picayune, Mississippi. Satan hath desired to sift you. Joe Booker, Joe Booker from Rialto, California. Satan hath desired to sift you. Wade Townley, Wade Townley from Brewer, Maine. Satan hath desired to sift you. Rick Mayo, Rick Mayo. From Spokane, Washington, Satan hath desired to sift you. But I've come with the word of faith. As Jesus said to Simon, I have prayed for you. I will call your names out again, preacher. Jesus is going to help you and protect you. For you see, if the devil can cause the pastor to fall, if the devil can cause the ministry to fall, if the devil can cause the ministry to compromise and prostitute the gospel of Jesus Christ, the congregation will be easy pickings. But I've come to make an announcement to the very headquarters office of hell. We're not about to prostitute this gospel. It is still one God. We're not about to prostitute this gospel. It is still repentance. What a baptism in Jesus' name. And the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
I know you're shouting now, but let's see how you shout next. We're not about to prostitute holiness standards and separation from the world. Did you notice that when Jesus addressed him, he called him Simon, Simon. Only a few months ago, 75 miles north of Jerusalem, while Jesus and the 12 was in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus inquired to the 12, whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? The responses were many and quick. Some say that thou art Jeremiah, Elias, or a prophet, perhaps even John the Baptist. Jesus more interested in what the twelve thought than what others thought. Whom do you say that I am? And suddenly the man whose name was Simon said, Thou, hallelujah, art the Christ, the Son of of the living God then in there Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter and he said blessed art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee but my father which is in heaven and thou art Peter and upon this rock I'm going to build my church I heard you bishop and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it I like what you preached last night brother Shoemake the church is not going to backslide the church is not going to go to hell in a handbasket. Now you may choose to become Laodicea, you may choose to become lukewarm, you may choose to become hypocritical, but I advise all of you here, the blood Paul church, the spirit field church, the Holy Ghost church, the gates of hell shall never, never prevail against it. Interesting that he double called him when he spoke to him in Luke chapter 22. He didn't call him by his new name after he announced the deity or the revelation of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus spoke to Peter in Luke 22, he took him back to his name that was on his birth certificate. He took him back to his name that was his birth name. And when he spoke to him at the communion or the Passover, he didn't call him Peter, Peter. But he said, Simon, Simon. He took him back to his old nature, his Adamic self, his corrupt flesh. And what he was saying to him, Simon, Simon, he wants to attack you at your weakest point. But Simon, Simon, I have prayed for you that thy faith fail thee not. 
I want to say when, when, when Simon Peter announced the deity of Jesus Christ, uh, there was a change in Simon. And I've come to announce that the revelation of Jesus Christ uh, is as fresh and as new and as exciting as it ever has been. No, sir. No, ma'am. He's not the second person in a Catholic trinity. No, he's not a percentage. No, he's not a fraction of God. But it gives me a moment of distinction to announce. For in him dwelleth all the fullness. I kind of said I wasn't going to do this, but I think I am after all. Let's shout unto the Lord and thank Him for this great revelation. Come on. He called the most. The mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He. The Everlasting Father. The King Eternally. My God, if you don't have anything else to shout about, you want to shout that you have the revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. I indeed do not claim seniority as an apostolic preacher pastor, even though this is all I've done full time for the last 55 years. But my experience in preaching is kicking in right now. And I'm going to deal with what I feel right now. I feel like some of you folks are saying, okay, here goes Odom. All he's trying to do is to get us worked at big camp meeting. I do not deny the charge. I'm so sick and tired of dead Pentecostal churches. I'm sick and tired of dead Pentecostal sermons. I'm sick and tired of dead Pentecostal worship services. My God, when he filled me with the Holy Ghost, he gave me life.
You shout and dance that cancer out of you. You shout and dance that coronary disease out of you. You shout and dance that affliction out of you. You shout and dance the joy of the Lord back in your life. You shout and dance the saving of your marriage and the saving of your children. Come on, we got time for this. I'll preach in a few minutes. very careful and deliberate when I'm in the pulpit but I'm going to just take a little escape from my little prepared notes if I called your name out a moment ago would you come stand behind me that's Bart Atkins that's Rick Mayo that's Joel Booker that's Wesley Jackson that's Ted Strain all of you keep coming out come quickly come on come on come on Now here I go, but I pray that the anointing of God that is on me right now, the power of God, a function that is upon me right now, I want it to fall on these preachers. And together and collectively, we want you to know that we're not going to change this gospel for a charismatic number. We're not going to change this gospel. Come on, Brother Bart. Come on, Brother Bart. Satan hath desired to sift you. 
You good church folks, you need to hold your hand out to the ministry right now. And you need to pray for them that God will give them help and give them strength. The ministry is under an attack like it's never been under an attack. Satan is pulling out every lethal weapon in his sinful arsenal to fight the church through the ministry. If he can get the ministry, he's going to get you. But we pledge to you tonight, we're going to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. We're going to preach power from God. We're going to... Thank you, men. You can go back to your chairs. However, it won't bother me if you want to stand behind me while I preach. When Jesus spoke to Simon, he called him with a double call. Simon, Simon. Limited numbers of double calls in the Bible. Four in the Old Testament, four in the New Testament. And when Jesus said, Simon, Simon, suddenly Simon's name was in a collection of great biblical all-stars and heroes. For in the book of Genesis, the Lord God spoke from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, 175 years later, God spoke to Abraham's grandson and said, Jacob, <laughs> Jacob, several centuries later, with a shepherd on the backside of the desert, God chose to speak from a crackling burning bush. And he said, Moses, Moses, interestingly, all three patriarchs, when they heard their double call, they had the identical response. Abraham said to his double call, here am I. Jacob said to his double call, here am I. Moses said to his double call, here am I. There's a very important definitive difference in the collections and the assembly of words. Here am I or here I am. When you use the words here I am, you're just stating your location. But when you say here am I, you're identifying yourself as peculiarly different in response to the call. I would to God it could happen more than through my voice. But somewhere in the ear of faith, I can hear a voice from heaven saying, Church! Church! Bride! Bride! He knows you're on the earth. He knows you're fighting spirits. He knows you're fighting demons. He knows you're fighting the devil. But he wants to know if you know that you're definitively different. I've come to answer.
merciful 4,000 in Little Rock, Arkansas. I would say, Lord, here we are. Here we are in the world, but not of the world. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a church without spot, a church without wrinkle, a church without flaw, a church without blemish. You can backslide if you want to. You can choose to go the way of Cain if you want to. But there's some blood-bought saints here tonight that are saying, Take the whole world, but I'll take Jesus. The fourth double call, please, either come up here and preach or go sit down. I would prefer that you do the latter. Would you just do one other thing for me? God! Pick it up on Bishop Booker. I need somebody to chat. God, God, God. God! God! The fourth double call in the Old Testament was to what Flavius Josephus tells us was a 12-year-old lad by the name of Samuel. And Samuel, only being 12 years of age, obeyed the man of God in his life. And Eli told Samuel what to say when he heard the call of God. And a 12-year-old boy said when he heard the double call, Samuel, Samuel, the 12-year-old pre-teenager did what his elder told him to say. And his elder Eli told him to say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Now those of you that are listening on the Holy Ghost radio, you miss in a beautiful moment at the beginning of our service tonight. The opening choir must have had 50 or more children, 10 years old and younger. But when the Holy Ghost began to move and the anointing fell on that little choir, I couldn't help but leap for joy and smile from ear to ear because little children are saying, Speak, my Lord. Move, my Lord.
and some of you dignified adults, you haven't shattered a night. You haven't broke or sweat a night, but I'm telling you, sister, you're not too pretty to shout those bobby pins out. I'm telling you, brother, you're not too handsome to shout and to dance. When I said that, I probably shut down a lot of invitations to come preach. So be it. Sister, you're not too pretty that you can't shout your hair down. Brother, you're not so handsome that you can't get out from your chair and do a little dancing unto the Lord. I'm not here to talk about the problem, but we've become a little bit too ceremonial, a little bit too realistic. Like the old-fashioned preacher used to say, don't you think it's about time to let go and let God have his way?
Hey, devil, no music. Where's the critics at now? Come on, lift up your voices. The Holy Ghost wrote to talk through people tonight that has not talked in tongues in a long, long time. Pray to the Holy Ghost talks through you. Join up with somebody and help them right now. Come on, pray to your talking tongues. The Holy Ghost spoke to me. There's people that struggle with speaking in tongues. And God wants to refresh your spirit. God wants to lift you up tonight. It's the devil that's lied to you. Come on, yield to it. Yield to it. Oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> 
everybody in the building join up with somebody right now come on COVID tongues like as a fire is trying to settle on everybody in this house come on no distractions no 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 spectators come on join with somebody and close your eyes and begin to lift your voice pray until you pray in the Holy Ghost Come on, as you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, healing's going to come into this house. Deliverance is going to come into this house. Yoke-destroying anointing is going to flood your soul. Come on, come on, come on. Close your eyes and raise your voice as loud as you can do it right now. Come on, don't be ashamed to talk in tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. Come on, it's falling right now. The waters are troubled right now. Yeah, 
Come on, turn around and take somebody else by the hand. Come on, this is good, but there's more. We're getting ready to go deeper right now. Come on, take somebody else by the hand and pray fervently in the Holy Ghost. Pray fervently under the anointing of God. Pray into that power and demonstration and apostolic authority begins to move over you. Come on, let it be released in you right now, right now, right now. Let it be released in you right now. There's a spirit of unity descending in this building right now. Don't anybody pray by yourself. Be praying with somebody, for somebody, connected to somebody. Come on, prayer warriors. Come on, saints of God. Come on, the gifts of the Spirit are at work right now. The gifts of the Spirit are at work in this house right now. Come on, back in the back, way back in the back. Close your eyes and talk in tongues. Come on, on both sides, from wall to wall. Close your eyes. Pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, come on, there's another wave of an army flowing through here right now. Come on, get your hands in the air and let it blow over you. Come on, get your voice lifted and let it speak through you. Come on, get them hands high and let it blow over you. Get that voice lifted, let it flow through you. Come on, this is so beautiful, but there's even more God has right now. Come on, come on, we're in waist deep water, but somebody needs to take another step. For there's water to swim in right now. 
come out deep is crying out to deep deep of the spirit is crying out to connect with the depths of our spirit come on don't speak in tongues for just a moment get disconnected and distracted why don't you pray until you're drunk in the Holy Ghost why don't you pray until true deliverance is had why don't you pray until true apostolic authority is brought back to life in you once again